and welcome once again to the Lucky Mojo Hootie Rework Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I'm your announcer, Papanuta, papanuta.com in Omaha, Nebraska, and in just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-host, Catherine Ironwood of luckymojo.com in Forestville, California, and Contraman Ali of thecontraman.com in Mission Viejo, California. This week, we'll be joined by a special guest from the Association of Independent Readers and Reworkers, William Stickevers of williamstickevers.com in Las Vegas, Nevada, bringing us today's topic on the spring equinox. Afterwards, they'll take your calls and offer advice to address, ameliorate, and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection using traditional African-American folk magic practices of hoodoo, conjure, or root work as divine and prescribed by the greatest spiritual hoodooist of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening, but if you're selected from among those who filled out a short questionnaire at the Lucky Mojo form at form.luckymojo.com and call into the show, then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment, but first, let's catch up with our co-hosts, Miss Cat and Conjurman Ali. Miss Cat? Hi. Thank you, Papa Newt, for that lovely introduction, and uh, thank you for showing up, although the state of Nebraska is flooding. Yes, we are underwater in, in major areas. Um, my hometown was hit in the downtown area. Um, there are other areas that are worse. Um, just outside of Omaha, there's Fremont Valley that are getting horrible. Iowa City, Bellevue, even off at Airfield Base is, is uh, even underwater in some parts. So it's, it's been crazy. It has been crazy. Um, I want to send a shout-out to my good, long-time, old-time friend, Bob Beerbaum, who lives in Fremont and who is in a two-story house with one of the largest collections of vintage comic books in private hands in America. And he has moved it all to the second floor (laughs) by himself after having had hip replacement surgery and two strokes. I kid you not, Bob... Jesus Christ, we're praying. (laughs) I think the flood is going down now there where he is, but it was damn close. And Bob already had suffered one flood and lost a million comic books and original art uh, in California during the 1986 so-called Guerneville flood, but it also caused the roof of the building that he had his warehouse in to collapse in El Cerrito, California. So me and Bob have been been exchanging prayers we had a big flood here the russian river flooded he said geez makes me think of when you went under because i lost everything i said makes me think of when you went under and then just a couple weeks later fremont nebraska is an island and bob is like the little desperate ant moving the eggs upward (laughs) in his house so oh i'm so glad you're okay papa newt i tell you i was worried there for him uh, yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, we've had dams and levees break, and um, and just a lot of communities coming together to help each other out, which is wonderful to see. And I just uh, want to see you after this is all said and done, and the damage and such to repair. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, and um, and for Bob, if you're listening, geez, McGee's get the stuff donated to a library. You can't you can't let this happen again. Uh, <laughs> he has some of the oldest comics and some of the oldest original art. And um, we're not talking golden age. We're we're talking 
prehistoric, you know, uh, Stone Age comics from the 1890s. All right, and I'm so glad you're okay, Papa Newt. Your family's all well. Uh, yeah, they were. Um, they my my mom who lives in my hometown, which downtown area was flooded, so she's about mm, six blocks, uh, seven blocks away. Um, didn't come that far out uh, from the river, so. And you know okay. what it is, it, uh, having lived through a flood, just a few feet makes all the difference. It's so yeah. strange. It's different than a fire. It doesn't jump the lines. It just goes. I mean, it's the difference between water and fire. we got to think about these things um, metaphysically. Water seeps. That's what it does. Fires jump and are blown by the wind. But, um, yeah, you know, when we went through that Guerneville flood, and like we were like, you know, as far as we could see in all directions, everybody we could see was underwater. We got lifted out by a helicopter, got sat down in in uh, Santa Rosa, and everybody was just, you know, stop at the red light, light turns green, they step on the gas. They were having a normal life, <laughs> just, a, just a little few miles away. So, yeah, well, my heart is with you all, and especially with, with uh, dear Bob Beerbaum. Yeah. All right. Now, we are here to celebrate um, another aspect of... Um, change, and that is the coming of spring. And we're going to have a panel discussion on that in just a few minutes, but spring, for me, also always means the Hoodoo Heritage Festival. And uh, this is the last year, after 12 years, this is my 12th and last time hostessing the Hoodoo Heritage Festival. If it gets taken up after me, someone else will take it up. I will appear as a guest if they do so, but this is my last time hostessing. So we have been getting books ready, and I know I've bent your ear just about every week for the last several weeks on these books. But I just want to thank my dear husband, Nagashiva, um, for getting up so early. As I passed the torch, I fell asleep at dawn. He got up at dawn and began proofreading. (laughs) We are working on the Secrets of the Crystal Silence League by Claude Alexander Conlon, Alexander, the man who knows. Now, many people know about the Crystal Silence League and know about John St. Germain, the voice of the Crystal Silence League. He will be at the Hoodoo Heritage Festival. This will be given away to all attendees who've paid their tickets, so no extra cost for the book. It's included in the price of your tickets, and it will go on sale shortly thereafter. So I have been doing my usual spring thing, which is basically um, working on books until dawn to get them to the printer on time. And I sure hope that by the time of the official spring equinox, I'll be done. (laughs) I'll be done. Um, But I have still this book to proof and uh, correct, and then I have the red folder to do. So if you're looking for me at the Lucky Mojo or down on the railroad uh, model uh, layout that I've got, you ain't going to find me there. Uh, You're going to find me upstairs at my computer, type, type, typing, and um, playing in Photoshop. So I hate to see spring go by, but I will be there for the equinox. I I promise myself and I promise God I'm going to make it. These books have to get to press. Um, Crystal Silence goes off on Monday. Red folder, I've got a few more days. All right, so that's it for me. Um, 
I'll tell you that all the folks in the shop are working hard, trying to cover for me because I'm gone, as I am every spring. And hopefully this will be the last spring that I do this. I, I know every year I say, I can't take it. I, it's just the deadline thing. But there is some part of me that loves the adrenaline. Truth to tell, I I get older, but I don't um, run out of adrenaline. I can't explain it. I always have it. I'm just one of those types of people. Oh, oopsie, there's a reason for it. I've got Gemini rising with Uranus one degree below the ascendant. Well, there you go. <laughs> so um, I'm just one of those kind of people. And um, I'm going to uh, say hi to you, Conjurman Ali, patiently waiting in the corner there for your little <laughs> time to talk. Tell me, since I haven't been outdoors in three days, because I've just been typing and writing, how are things out in the, the wider areas of California? Thanks for asking. Uh, you know, the, the wider areas of California are still under some weird weather. We vacillate between the startings of spring and we still have a little hint of winter. I mean, there's rains coming up uh, next week. And so it's been it's been interesting dealing with that. But like yourself, I've, I haven't been able to really enjoy the outdoors. I've been kind of shut in uh, doing my own writing projects. So it's been it seems to be, for whatever reason, the Tauruses are, are hiding in their caves with books and papers and writing uh, the past couple of weeks. Yeah, well, <laughs> I I understand it. I mean, it's um, we've been uh, uh, us Tauruses have been going through all kinds of hell and high water since uh, Uranus <laughs> entered Taurus. And our guest, William Stickovers, gave us a great show on that. You can look it up in the archives. Uh, then then Uranus, you know, took a step back and reconsidered. Do I really want to be in Taurus? went retrograde, I really do want to be in Taurus, and has now jumped back into Taurus, and now we're in for the full run of Uranian weirdness, which is is okay. I'm I'm okay with the weirdness, plus which we have the fabulous Mercury retrograde. And, um, you know, it happens frequently, but it happens. And when it happens, we know it happens. We feel it. Mm -hmm. And um, um, all of us writers feel it. We, we've all been retrograded here. <laughs> so uh, without any further ado, I want to bring on William. Hello, William. So nice to have you here. Hello, Kat. Thanks for having me back on your show. I always enjoy it. You're a you're an erudite and concise thinker, and I find that so refreshing for an astrologer, being one myself. <laughs> <laughs> we Thank astrologers, uh, we astrologers tend to become very um, enmeshed in explanation, and you are mm-hmm. one of the good astrologers who can cut right through and say this means that. So, um, first of all, William Stickevers, tell us about yourself because there's always going to be someone new listening to the show who's never heard your voice, doesn't know who you are, doesn't mm. know that you're in Las Vegas, doesn't know that you're a famous astrologer, doesn't even know what astrology is. So give us a couple of sentences about who you are and what you do. Well, I've been doing astrology for about 30 years, 29, 30 years at this point, my Saturn return, uh, back mm. since 1987. And I studied initially psychological Jungian astrology. Then I developed my skill set studying with a number of teachers over the past few decades in financial astrology, horary astrology, electional astrology, 
Um, then developing my skill set with astrological magic, studying with uh, UCAT with Hoodoo and integrating the astrological magic with Hoodoo applications. And then uh, also doing what uh, quite a bit now work in geopolitical or what is called mundane astrology, looking at mm. the broader macroeconomics and the broader geopolitical um, forces at work with the body politic of nation states and in correlation with larger wave cycles in history. And and you left out one of your one of your credits. You're also very well known for your horary astrology. Yes, yes. In fact, um, that was something I studied quite early on in the early 90s and perfected it at least to the level where I was around 88, 90%, you know, based on my track record with clients around in the early 2000s. So it's something I uh, really worked very hard on. I teach it today. I also employ it in sports betting and, as you know, and probably some of the listeners, in political contests. Yes. Now, when we do our readings later today, are you going to be using horary astrology to answer people's questions? Yes, exactly. That's that's exactly what I Good. To do All right. Today so to... good. So for those who are unfamiliar with horary astrology, that means you uh, instantly erect a chart on the moment the question was an- asked and the question is answered mm-hmm. in the chart. And this has become um a much more feasible way of working, although it's always been popular, now that we have computer electronic charts, because it was kind of a drag, you know, someone asks the question, then it takes you an hour to work out the math and do the chart, and by then, they're sitting there twiddling their thumbs for an hour for that instant answer. Bang, now they are instant answers. Now, all you get is the chart. You still have to have an astrologer to interpret it, but that's going to be uh, something that that we're going to see you demonstrate today. Um, and as Contraband Ali says, yes, the, the moment the question is answered is the birth of the question. And I also want to just comment on one other thing. We've used the word mundane astrology. Mm. Mundane is a word that means worldly, having to do with yeah. the earth. And um, but uh, but <laughs> it has a connotation of. Um, boringly practical. I'm just going about my mundane tasks. So when we talk about mundane astrology, people think, well, that must be the most boring, practical kind of astrology, but it's not. It's an old term, and it really means the astrology that's affecting the entire globe, as if we have natal um, astrology, which affects a person's birth, Mm -hmm. their nativity, mundane affecting the world. So I do prefer, and I though I love the word mundane astrology because it just makes you laugh. It's so obsolete. Mm-hmm. But really, um, but really, it is geopolitical. We, that's a very good term for it. And I would even go farther. I would call it geo-eco-political because mundane astrology also affects um, large um, yes. weather events and yes. um, uh, upheavals of magma from the core of the earth. It's the yep. astrology of the world. So geopolitical, ecological, and um, and all of those things is what mundane mm-hmm. astrology is. And this is one of your specialties, William, and it is an amazing specialty because it, it requires you to be familiar with the birth charts of nations or to be able to find them. To be able to, when a, when two nations meet, for instance, they, they, their heads of state meet, you have now at least four charts that you have to juggle in your mind. 
leader number one, leader number two, nation number one, nation number two. And let's say they decide to meet in nation number three and are hosted by leader number three. Now you've got six charts and you can and And also the chart of when they're actually going to meet. Oh, yes, right. Well, that's what I'm saying. And then you can predict based on the day they're going to meet the outcome of their meeting. That takes a tremendous amount of brain power. Yeah. And there are few astrologers who get into it as deeply as you do, William, and I admire you for that greatly. I've I've been there, done that. It's a lot of fun. It's a rabbit hole that if you go down, you might not mm-hmm. come up for a day <laughs> because there is so much um, going on symbolically and mathematically. You have to also know when you're an astrologer how fast certain planets move, how slow. If you just read the chart flat, like, you know, when you go to one of these free astrology sites, you just read it flat. You don't know how fast the moon moves, but astrologers know. And we go, oh, my God, two hours later, the moon is, go-. you know, it's like you, the moon is like running around, you know. And you have to know these relative timings. You have to know uh, retrogradations. Geopolitical astrology is more than just um, a couple of words. It is a lifetime of study. So just want to give you a shout out. If anyone wants to know about their chart in relation to moving to another place, William is also very good at that. That is called locational or relocational astrology. And that is where you will have a new chart based on, it's like changing your name in numerology. Your chart, you have a new chart, but it's not really your chart. It's a kind of a chart. It's superimposed over your chart. It's a fabulous uh, technique. So, William, I, I hope I've buttered you up on both sides of your toast. <laughs> yes, very and, much. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's a member of AIR, folks, A-I-R-R, the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers. Get on over and, uh, you know, get your chart done because there's nothing quite like it. And this dude is one of the best in the world. And I kid you not, there's nobody I know who's quite as thorough as him. All right, now... William has brought us the topic, very topical topic of the spring equinox. The spring equinox will occur this year in uh, just a few days on the 20th of March. Spring equinox does not always occur on the same day. I'm speaking to the novice here. I think all the astrologers are going, oh, come on, we knew that already. Of course, you knew that already. Remember, there are leap years and non-leap years. Well, things get out of sync, and then we have that leap day, and they get back in sync, and then every century we have a leap second and so forth. That is why the equinox happens either on the 20th, the 21st. You know, it it shifts. This year, the 20th, and we're going to be happy with it. Um, We can say with certainty that, from our perspective, the sun enters Aries at 6.01 p.m. Daylight savings time, I hate it, in Washington, D.C. It's going to be some other time wherever you are. You can look it up online. Just ask Google to tell you when is the spring equinox, and it will it'll give it to you. So we have a chart, and... Um, Yes, uh, Shiva posted the chart, again, in the chat room. I advise you all to click that link and then copy that URL, open a new browser window, dump that URL in, you'll have a copy of the chart. Then hit your back button 
on the on the chat log, uh, you know, the blog talk radio URL. Hit your back button. You'll be back in chat with us, and you'll have a separate window showing the chart as, and it even has um, his email and his website, WilliamStickers.com. Okay, now take it away, William. Tell us all about the chart which we are now looking at. Well, that was a very good explanation, Kat, of the uh, spring equinox as it falls either on March 19th or 20th every year, right, which really marks the beginning of when the sun crosses the celestial equator in the northern hemisphere, and uh, it, which corresponds with spring, and then the southern hemisphere corresponds with the arrival of fall. So... Um, it happens exactly at the same time, even though there are um, you have clock times that reflect different time zones. And in traditional mundane astrology, geopolitical astrology, we look at the nation state or the most powerful nation state, uh, and it happens to be the United States at this moment, where we clock, we take a snapshot of the moment to determine the overall trends and developments for the year. So the spring equinox, Aries Ingress horoscope is the augury, the divination for the larger developments that will impact everyone at, at the macro and micro scale uh, for the entire year, like a general weather forecast. And it, and it is stunningly accurate. And it happens to be with this one occurring at the time of the full moon. And this full moon is traditionally called the March full moon, the full worm moon, because the, the worms at this, during this time, during the full moon, when it uh, traditionally, according to uh, traditional lore, come out of the ground, right? There, there's an activation of energy. Um, and we could also look at this chart here and see what particular planets or planetary alignments are active, because uh, those close planetary alignments are going to be amplified, accelerated, and pushed through into the collective energy, the, the archetypal matrix. So, you know, for example, Uranus and Taurus. So Uranus and Taurus ingressed last year a little bit, but now with the ingress, it's definitely going to be there for the next seven years. So you're going to feel much more of the Uranus-Taurus effect. You're going to feel a lot more of this Jupiter and Sagittarius, which we'll talk about in a bit, and you're going to, people are starting to feel the Saturn-Pluto alignment as it comes into culmination uh, in January 2020. Now, what's important to remember is that we are, well, technically still in 2018, astrological 2018, 2019 starts on March 20th at uh, 6.01 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So the energy matrix of these alignments, some of them that, that I've already stated, are going to come through much more powerfully, even though those alignments started forming a little bit earlier this year, this chronological year. So that's the key thing to remember, that we're at the tail end of a, a, an annual cycle, and, the, and we're transitioning into a very powerful emergence and expression of collective energy, collective archetypal energy on the world stage. Yeah, I got to I got to jump in here too. Um you mentioned the some of these things that are a longer scale and um 
I know that people are going to ask, um, so I'm going to try to ask and then answer. Why the spring equinox? What does that mean? Well, the spring equinox is the beginning of the astrological year, as you explained. Mm -hmm. And it is not the beginning of the um, solar calendar year, the uh, secular calendar year, whatever you want to call it. It's not the beginning of the Asian, uh, also known as Chinese New Year. It's not that. This is the astrological new year. And so this is the chart that, that, although it's theoretically good for from now to the summer solstice, it's actually the chart of the year as well. So it's the primary of the four charts you would con- uh, construct on the four quarters of the year. That's, that's answering one question. Why is this chart so important? The other thing is that we have been hovering on the brink, as William just said, of a number of... Um, uh, what I could say, shadows uh, shadows that come before events. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Saturn is approaching Pluto. Alignment is a dire one. <clears throat> there is no, you know, it's like um, it's like reading tarot. There are people who take the tower card and the death card out of their tarot deck because they don't want to upset or frighten their clients. You can't take Saturn and Pluto out of a horoscope. You can downplay them. But what basically, this is pretty bad. I mean, this is our combination, say, of the devil um, and the tower and the death card, kind of all thrown together right here in Capricorn. Not a, not a great aspect, and it's coming up for the whole world. Is that correct, William, right? Yes. In fact, uh, one of the things we can correlate with great accuracy, going back with the data, using hard data in correlation with these this particular Saturn-Pluto astrological alignment, is that world economies have historically contracted dramatically, and we're seeing that now with the new data coming in with the industrial production in Europe and in China. It's happening a little slower here in America. It always seems to happen overseas first, then it hits us a little later, but but it's very clear uh, that the the Saturn-Pluto alignment is showing not only a contraction, but a restructuring, a re-engineering of the economy. You're seeing it with the collapse of, of retail first in America. You're seeing a retail apocalypse take place. Mm-hmm. And it's not That's just correct. because Amazon eating up everybody's uh, business. It, it has to do with a number of factors. But it comes down to a reengineering, a restructuring, and a contraction that correlates with the Saturn-Pluto alignment. Now, what I'm, what I'm concerned about, because I'm looking at the chart, right now Mars is in a nice position to these Mars is in Taurus, 23 degrees Taurus, it's trine Saturn, it's trine Pluto. And Mars and Pluto have an affinity, and Mars and Capricorn have an affinity. And mm-hmm. um, so Mars right now is sort of sustaining and holding off this debacle, right? Wouldn't, I mean, that's how I read it, right? Yeah, Mars is also is applying square to uh, Venus is in Aquarius and it's applying square to Mars exactly. Uh, I think around roughly oh, around March twenty first. Oh gosh, yes. Well, I, yeah. I, I'll 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 give you two dollars on that one. That's for sure. Venus uh, Venus applying square to Mars, I see as more personal because yeah, I definitely. see that as a, a difficult time for sexuality. Uh, but that'll yeah. pass because Venus moves fast, Mars moves fast. That'll that'll fade yeah. away. What I'm concerned about is when Mars comes around and hits Saturn, Pluto. See, that's right. when is that? Yeah. So you, we're talking about this summer 
and uh, we're going to actually have Mars conjunct Jupiter, Saturn, and Pluto exact on January 15th, 2020, which is astrological 2019. So this chart is an augury of a global crisis that will be impacting everyone, ecological, geopolitical, military. Uh, it's going to be a big crisis. And anyone who is not prepared or has uh, plan Bs or um, the plans, you know, they need to have a certain resiliency in their approach about this year. And I'm going to offer a solution to that today um, because we do have Jupiter and Sagittarius which is a very fortuitous placement, a very powerful placement, which will, in a way, sort of mitigate the worst-case possible scenarios. Yes. Yes. Well, mm. I, I'm, I'm looking – see, the thing is, as an astrologer, when you look at the spring equinox, you start in your mind – I don't know if you do this. I'm sure you all must. And, Ollie, you do this too, right? You start rotating yep. everything. You know what I mean? You're going, uh uh, uh, it's like you just set a little timer in your head and you go, holy fuck, that's going to happen. Oh, look, that's going to happen. How nice. You know, I mean, you can see it coming. Astrology is a very interesting uh, science prediction because you can see it mm-hmm. happening just like a, like a, a locomotive on a track coming towards you. If that locomotive is coming towards you on the track, you better get off the track because mm-hmm. you're going to get hit. That's how it is. <laughs> so I look at this. Um, well, I look at this and I go, wow, this is a, this is going to be a strange one. Going to be a strange one. There are some mitigating factors. There definitely are some mitigating factors. There are also some, some more oddities that we can see. Now, let's just look at this spring equinox, though. Um, there are some, some nice things on this. I don't want to be all doom and gloom, although, <laughs> let's talk about the nice things on this chart, Okay. Go well, ahead, you know, William. Pick them out. Can say the fact that um, Jupiter uh, will be in Sagittarius, and a lot of people can tap into that Jupiter energy. It is going mm-hmm. to provide a certain level of optimism, buoyant optimism, especially now that it is an aspect to Neptune. So people can their plan. They they can. I mean, I'm recommending to many of my clients that people begin to look at a different way of how they're going to conduct business, how they're going to proceed forward this year. And um, it's really implementing a particular having, you know, I think what's really important with especially Jupiter and Sagittarius to Neptune is having a purpose driven business, a purpose driven life, a purpose, a mission statement, as they used to call it back in the late nineties, you need to have a very clear and definitive mission statement about what you're doing, why you're doing it. All right, and what does it serve for you and others in order to get through this period? I I agree, and yet I'm I'm sorry, I'm just going to be a little miss doom and gloom. Um, so that um, Jupiter in Sag, wonderful placement because Jupiter rules Sag. It's optimistic. Mm-hmm. It's expansive. It has a purpose-driven mission statement, and it's square the moon, <clears throat> and it's also, you know square everything else over on the on the other side of the chart. It's not it's not as happy as it might be. Mm-mm. You know, leaving a, yeah. a square of of Neptune and um or nep well, it's it's well, separating. What I usually say and, and when I see that is is, is whenever you see this particular whenever you see this particular uh aspect but you see Jupiter in Sagittarius, this is unconventional majors. 
right? Higher education. Whenever I get this, I tell students ah, double, majors, double, d- double major in something, take on an unconventional major, something that you had not considered uh, before. This is where the kind of weirdness kind of steps in. But in, in, uh, you know, embracing that weirdness is actually going to work in your favor. So whenever I see right. this, I go, okay, add, add that second major. Oh, add that weird major. Consider experiencing. I mean, you got you got Jupiter expansive, higher education, etc. You got Sagittarius exploring component component of that, and that helps to mitigate some of these other aspects. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I love yeah. that. That's really true. And one reason that is, again, I always try to explain astrology for those who are new to it. Why double majors? Because Sagittarius is one of the so-called double-bodied mm-hmm. signs. And the yeah, double-bodied like signs are Gemini with the two little twins, Pisces with the two yep. little fishes. People don't think of Sag as double-bodied, but it's a centaur, half man, half horse. Yep. Therefore, it is a double-bodied sign. Yeah, I would think that taking intuitive leaps in one's life in terms of making a decision, going in a yeah. uh, radically different direction and, and making an intuitive leap of faith, if you will, yeah. is going to probably how one's going to safely uh, thrive, survive and thrive through this period and have a soft landing. The danger, though, and I do know where Kat's coming from, is not just the Saturn-Pluto, it's the fact that people are still living in the extend and pretend mindset with that Jupiter-Neptune, thinking things are better, happy days are here mm-hmm. again, everything is fine, yeah. steady as it goes, when it's really not. Well, he, but this chart, and this is, this is I think, the key of, of, of astrology, and a lot of people don't kind of understand why we do these type of predictions or how you even deal with it, right? So I often get clients that go, if it's so fixed like this, if it's fated, what can we possibly do? Well, one of the things that astrology teaches you, particularly if you understand astrology through its classical traditional sense, is that astrology is the same thing as weather. The way that we view weather today, meteorology, well, what's the weather like and how do I adjust my life around that weather is the same way that the ancient people, the medieval people, etc., viewed astrology. They would look at a chart like this and they go, how can I ride the wave? What adjustments can I make? And part of what you've mentioned, you know, learning to kind of take that intuitive leap, that is part of it. I say the same thing when it comes to things like Mercury and retrograde. People always panic about Mercury and retrograde. And they go, it's actually not that big a deal <laughs> if you know what you're doing. You've got to learn to ride the weirdness. You've got to learn to kind of surf, if you will, the astrological waves that are going to crash whether you like it or not. That's the reality of astrology. So part of it, I mean, this is why ancient traditions always involved some form of offerings to various, you know, planetary spirits, et cetera, to help mitigate some, some of these factors is that you've learned to kind of ride this. And one of the aspects that we see particularly is as catastrophic as, as and, and I use the word deliberately, as catastrophic as many of these readings are, and I use mundane astrology to do my yearly reading that I announce on, on Lucky Mojo uh, every year, and they've been getting more and more dire as Kat can attest over the years on the show. That's because the astrological charts have some pretty strong catastrophic components to them. So what do you do in instances like that? You learn to adjust. You've got to move away from the delusional component of everything is fine, everything is good, extend... I mean, what was the word you said? It was the phrase. It was such a good one. Yeah, I love that, right? Extend and pretend. I love that. That's such a good point. You've got to move away from that. 
the, the uh, astrological readings like this are about waking up to the reality and then adjusting to that reality. And guess what? Once you do that, you can mitigate some of these harsher components. You can, in your personal life, make things a little bit easier. Like, so for example, we mentioned very early on uh, or earlier that the, 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 one of the personal aspects that shows up with Venus and Aquarius uh, applying the square and Mars around March 21st or so. That, that brings up a lot of uh, relationship tensions, right? That brings up the tension between in kind of unconventional, open, liberal, et cetera, and possessive, controlling, restriction, a lot of communication breakdowns within that. So what do you do in your personal relationship? You recognize that that's going to be the tension, and you learn to kind of ride it. You learn to not have the big and important conversations during that particular time period. You learn that there's going to be miscommunication, and you don't take it to heart. You learn that maybe this is the best time for lighting a honey jar making sure to kind of sweeten out that tension. So this is learn how to adjust to the weather. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is very important is don't let I mean at any moment there is going to be very yeah. good astrological things and bad. And sometimes yeah. you have to search hard to find the good ones and sometimes you have to search hard to find the bad ones. But they will all pass and um you you can't just fixate on one day's chart and go oh my god unless it is like you know the chart for d day or the chart for you know the the bombing of hiroshima i've seen those charts they really are mm-hmm. kind of like whoa they really are what they are um mm-hmm. but um but many things are happening to many people on one day so mm-hmm. this chart for the um spring equinox has some it foretells some problems to come but they're not insurmountable. I yeah. wish we could talk about this for much longer, but we've got some clients um, waiting for their charts to be read by William and um, their cards to be read by me and Ollie. So we'll, and of course, root work advice. So let's turn this over to Papa Newt, and he will bring on our first client. Thank you, Papa Newt. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rework Hour with your hosts, Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ali, and this week's special guest, William Stick Evers, will be right back. We'll be taking calls from our listeners, answering their questions through spiritual divination and prescribing down-home conjure remedies and remediation. Our calling clients are selected from among those who have filled out a short questionnaire at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com. You can listen to the show online through Blog Talk Radio, or via telephone by dialing 818-394-8535. If you filled out a client questionnaire at the form, please dial in now to 818-394-8535 and press 1 to let us know that you're available to be on the air. We will select callers by their area code, and if your area code is announced, we would like you to say hello and let me, your announcer, pop in and read a brief description of your situation before turning it over to our host. Now it's time to go to the phones and take our first caller, and our first caller is a first-time caller calling in from area code 360 in Olympia, Washington. This is Ken. Ken, are you there? Yes. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the show, and thank you for entrusting us with your situation today. Thank you. Now, I see with your information here that uh, you have, uh, now you say here you have spoken with Ms. <clears throat> Kat, uh, was that on this, or on a different situation, was it? For this Correct. situation. Okay, okay, different situation. Thank you. And I have not gone to any other re- readers and reworkers on this particular situation. Is that correct? Correct. Thank you. And Ken writes, I have an ancestor that I have identified both with a genetic test and 
general family rumor who originated in Nigeria. I am otherwise uh, majority British slash Irish. What is the best way to make contact with this ancestor, and how should I address this ancestor since I don't don't know uh, or have a name? Uh, this individual was likely a slave. The genetic testing has placed this person between 17, 1760 to 1860, and I want to respect and acknowledge that part of my ancestry without also being offensive and appropriative. Uh, Turn it back to you, Ms. Katz. Well, that's a very good question. I'm going to ask a, a couple of questions, Ken. <clears throat> so sure. DNA, as I understand it, you're mostly of, um, what did you say, Anglo-British or something like that? Mm, mainly British-Irish. British-Irish, um, okay. A little bit of other, you know, in there. But uh, when I took the test, it, oh, yeah, you are, you know, 2% uh, Nigerian. And I was like, hey, that translates back to something else I know. Um, mm-hmm. And as I, as you know, I get deeper into hoodoo, and I'm a student uh, uh, of you. Um, mm-hmm. I want to know more about that, and and I want to make connection with that. Okay, so I'm going to say something about this. First of all, you ask how can I do this in a respectful manner without being culturally appropriative. Here's the beauty of it: you can't be culturally appropriative with your own ancestors, because, dude, they're your ancestors. Right. Okay. It it might be culturally appropriate for you to go and apply for some sort of a minority business ownership yeah. grant because sure. it's only a minority of you. That would be perhaps a bit of falsification. But um, and you've been living life as a British Irish guy. Well, okay, American, right? But but right. don't worry about approaching the ancestor beca- until you do some divination. Okay. I'm going to. I I could read on this, and I might, but I'm going to actually talk to you a little bit about this because this is a common question. You assumed this person was a slave, and they well may have been a slave, and that would seem to indicate some pain and some difficulty. But don't assume that every black person in America who had sex with a white person did so under duress or due to enslavement. And don't assume, as so many do, that this was a female who was raped by the master because there are many cases in which the mistress had an outside lover and it was a black foreman on her farm. So there are many things at play here. Human nature has not changed. The power dynamic between slaves and owners is gone but there were always people who lived outside that power dynamic i'm not saying i know the answer here like i said i'm not reading yet but i'm speaking to something that has come up very often among my clients oh my gosh i'm six percent nigerian and and nobody in my family knew it what couldn't this mean that kind of thing there is this happens often there are also lies that are told there are things buried. Now, in your case, you said you have some knowledge of this. There's are stories in your family that you know there was somebody. Do you know if this Nigerian-descended ancestor was male or female? Uh, I, I am pretty certain it was female, um, and I know that she identified as Cherokee because that was the euphemism that was used when I heard about it from my great-grandmother. 
I understand. Very, this is very common that she was Cherokee, and and also there are black people who say they're Cherokee, but they're part European. And Cherokee was a really interesting term. You could use it to mean I am not identifiably British (laughs) or Irish, right? That means I'm Cherokee, right? There are Jews, Jewish families in Texas who said, oh, well, we're Cherokee, and they turn out to be part Jewish. There are families in Tennessee, we're part Cherokee. They turn out to be part Turkish. It's all over America. Cherokee, especially during the 19th and, well, late 18th and all of the 19th century, Cherokee was a catch-all term for somebody didn't fit the mold that we are presenting as a family. All right. right. Now, um, but a countryman Ali says, yes, but it's also rare. Let's not overstate no, expectations in. either. Thank you, countryman Ali. But yeah, yeah. the wonderful thing about divination is we don't go by statistics. But what yeah, we do sure. is we, we leave our mind open. We don't say this will be forced to fit this mold. We're going to do a divination. Okay. Now, I... Um, have talked about this and probably won't do a divination. I'm going to pass this instead to William. I'm going to speak just a bit more about uh, um, the idea of free persons of color. Again, I'm not going to overstate expectations, Ali, but free persons of color also existed. And going back well into the 1700s, and these are people who were not slaves. So again, don't go into the search for the ancestor or the divination of the ancestor wearing a pre-written script. You know, you saw the movie Amistad, and it was grim, right? There are other movies, right? You know what I'm saying? There are other movies. There are other ways of living. There are other choices. So what we want to do is, first of all, clear away preconceptions. And now... I would like to actually turn it over to William because he's going to do a horary chart on this. Oh, but before I do, I'm sorry. Uh, Shiva in the uh, chat log said, Black Cherokee, Black Dutch. Yes, his family's from Tennessee. They used to call themselves Black Dutch. That did not mean Dutch people with black hair. As it turns out, it meant a Turkish guy in his DNA. Ah. A Turkish guy. He wasn't Cherokee. He wasn't Dutch. He was Turkish. He had a big mustache. He, you know, I mean, he was a Turkish dude. And he somehow ended up in Tennessee, and he married some chick who was from, you know, Ireland, England, Scotland, you know, whatever. Okay. So this is this happens. Okay. Now I'm going to turn it over to William. Hello there. Hi. Okay, so I, you know, this is the first time I'm attempting to do a horary on ancestry, but this is what I'm picking up. I'm picking up here, there, it's definitely, does the mitochondrial DNA show this is from the matriarchal line of the family? Yes. Okay. Now, what's interesting here is that in this horary, the moon is the co-significator of uh, the question is, the person you're asking about with the Nigerian descent is in the 12th house. That is the house of slavery. Mm, so very good. Thank I, you. I don't mean to refute what – hold on. I don't mean to refute what Cat <laughs> uh, has stated here, but I am just reading what I see. The no, other no thing I, I got to break in here because I don't want you to misinterpret what I said. I didn't say 
that I know anything. I said, clear right. the decks before the divination. You did the divination. Mm, you got the 12th yeah, house. Right. It is slavery. I agree. Yeah. Go so ahead. it could be a, a slave or the conception uh, occurred after slavery. So someone uh, in the family line was a former slave. It doesn't necessarily mean it, it's, it's indicating to me because the moon is separating from Mars, which is the co-ruler of the Mars is the ruler of the ancestor, right? It's in the sign of Taurus. That would be indicative of someone who's not of Anglo-Saxon descent, and the moon is separating. So in this respect, I would say that it was a former slave where former slave where there was an involvement maybe during the time. Now, did this did, did the did the DNA indicate that the uh, we're talking about like late 1860s, early 1880s, maybe late 1870s when? This, um, um, from well, what I know, from what I know about the the, the uh, individual, um, she would have been elderly at about um, 1910 or so. So probably, okay. you know, right. uh, 1830s to 1840s, probably. Right, right, and that's about the time um, she would uh, have uh, conceived, right, and given birth. Correct. Right. Correct. Okay, so that's the time frame we're looking at here. Around the time of the Civil War or during some period after, uh, during the Reconstruction period, I would say more into the 1870s from what I'm seeing here earlier, but it's, it's hard to know because uh, I would need more time to look at this horary. So that's what I'm seeing primarily. Um, the question is, is, you know, to be honest with you, and I'm only saying this because, you know, I've had some training in it and experience recently and something I don't really talk about and there's a lot of people out there that can do it very well is to get a mediumship session with a really mm. good medium that can do to can go way back and create a link and get very definitive uh, an evidential medium person who could do that level of work and get information and then put that all together in your search before you reach out sure that's extremely that's extremely good advice and um i i'm what i see here because it is mitochondrial dna this is a uh, you know and that means female to female to female you know you're reaching out to a female um you don't know and and this is something else people always say well this person was last seen in my in my uh, descendancy at such and such, a, but remember that behind that person there are parents, and behind right. that person there are parents, and behind that, and so if you were to go out to ten generations, now you're going to have a much larger arc of these African uh, ancestors. So it's not just this one woman a slave or former slave born in the 1830s or 1840s freed after the civil war it's not just that one person but that person has a tremendous ancestry behind her too right. and that mitochondrial dna is mother dna which means that that portion of you reaches back to mother africa 
So it's a female energy. All right, uh, let's turn this over to Conjurman Ali and see what he has to say. Yeah, thanks. I think that was a, a tremendous reading there and, and really good stage advice uh, from uh, Miss Kett as well that, that it is important for us to approach this with kind of a blank slate so that we can hear. And that's going to be my recommendation to you is to learn to listen, right? Um, we, whenever we do kind of an approach to spirit, it's important not to come in with a series of preconceived ideas. Well, you know, the books tell me that I need to do this and I need to do that and I, and I should have this. That's not always going to work. Ancestors are, are people. They have personalities. They have tastes. They have interests. So it is important to come in a, a, with that sort of a blank slate or as clear the deck as, as Miss Cat rightly put. So the, the, my recommendation for you is to develop the ability to listen to this particular ancestor. So set aside a table or a space, a separate one for this ancestor. Um, and I say this deliberately because not all ancestors will get along. And that's important to remember. Um, that they have their own histories, their own prejudices, their own beliefs. And so it's important she be given her own space at first. Maybe eventually she can be included in a much broader ancestral altar that includes your entire family tree uh, or, or whatnot. But at first, start off with a separate space for her. And uh, what uh, you want to do is place a white candle on this space, a cup of water. My recommendation in the sense that I'm getting here is that the water should be placed in some type of white mug, so porcelain, think of a porcelain teacup or porcelain mug of some sort. Um, you should also okay. get a white porcelain plate uh, and to put the candle on top of you can burn the candle on the plate. I would recommend getting a candle holder and placing the candle holder on the plate. That's just coming through very strongly here. Burn a mix of uh, tobacco and althea as an offering. You can take get a small thurb rule or censer, these little small in charcoal uh, incense dishes. Um, you find them anywhere. And you get some char incense charcoal, often nowadays referred to as hookah charcoal for whatever reason. Uh, but you light that, uh, place it into that bowl, and then sprinkle on a mix of tobacco and althea. And then you might consider adding a little bit of uh, oil to that. You can use spirit guide oil, psychic vision oil, etc. I like adding a couple drops of oil to any type of herb mix. It helps to make the smoke more fragrant and stronger. And then just kind of sit there and listen. Listen, ask, you know, say I offer up this incense, this light, this water, and this incense to the elevation of my ancestor, that she may come forth, that she may speak to me. I am here and I am ready to listen. And then listen. Listen to what she has to say. Ask if she wants to work with you. Spend some time developing your kind of spiritual language, if you will. Uh, keep a diary. Write down any omen, dream, or impression that you get. Uh, and check it with her. Like, I saw this dream. Was this dream from you? Can you give me a sign? Is this what you want? As you do so, you will start to hear her clearer. You will know if she wants something. For example, she might ask for tea or coffee. Um, I'm getting a very strong impression from her, because she is present, of lace and ribbons. But she'll tell you when she's ready for lace and ribbons. She'll let you know. You might uh, decorate her altar with a doily or with some lace or with some ribbons. Uh, but she'll let you know herself when she's ready to take that step. She does have an affinity for that. 
she is present, but she's cautious. So there's a caution here. It's going to take some time to develop the language between you and her, to develop the relationship between you and her, and develop the connection between you and her. Um, you know, if she's not coming on strongly, you might consider doing some uh, psychic work on yourself so that you can build the connection mm-hmm. a little bit better, so that you can build uh, your own kind of abilities. I highly, highly recommend uh, psychic vision products. You can also make a tea with a little bit of star anise and mugwort, uh, celery seeds perhaps, a little bit of uh, tea that you can rub on your, you can drink it, but I have actually used them, dipped some cotton balls and closed my eyes and very lightly rubbed my eyes. This is to help develop the clairvoyance. You can also do the same okay. thing. Cotton balls, dip it in it and lightly rub it on your ear, not in your ear, but around the ear to help develop your hearing. Um, you can uh, use that, but also use the Psychic Vision uh, product, a little bit of the Psychic Vision oil added to the uh, uh, mixture of the tobacco and the althea can help really strengthen the connection between the two of you. Also, uh, taking a little bit and rubbing it on your hands uh, or anointing the candle uh, before you do this type of work, all can help to develop and strengthen that connection. This is going to take time. This is going to take time. Okay. You're going to need to be patient with this. This is not something that you'll set up an altar and then everything is smooth sailing from there. Rather, this is going to take several months. You're going to be working at it and hear nothing. And that's going to be part of a trust building. You need to build the trust with her because she's present but cautious. So build that trust. Spend several months and be okay with just giving offerings without getting anything back at first, without hearing anything back at first. But sooner or later, it will pay off. I do get a sense that she's interested. She's just kind of a little bit cautious there. Um, And she'll know. All of a sudden, you'll get this very strong impression, and she'll say, okay, now I want that lace, or now I want the doilies, or now I want the ribbons. And that's when you know you've made the connection. So that's my recommendation here. Let's see if uh, William or Miss Cat have anything further to add here. Well, I have one thing to say. Miss Michael, who is in the chat room, said mentioned celery seed, which is a psychic um, yeah, enhancer. That. And she said, cook with the celery seed, pray over it for psychic perception. You can add celery seed to many things, including uh, you know salad dressing. It's very nice flavor, and uh, and it is uh, very useful. Sure. And uh, right. I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to add um, one other thing too. Ali said she is present but cautious, and this is important to understand. Until you understand mm-hmm. from her or from a medium how the pregnancy occurred, and it may not have been on the best of terms, or it may have been just a disappointment to her. Um, mm-hmm. y- you know, her. Uh, presence may be fraught so think about that also i want you to contact dr derensburg he's in our chat log and uh, dr derensburg maintains a bunch of information about uh, free people of color and um and he is a a very good worker and um and is interested in the relationship between um black free people slaved people and uh white free white people in the past and he maintains a lot of history on that subject you can check him out he's right in the log in the chat log dr derensburg okay all righty um let's turn this over to papa newt 
Support for this programming is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com. And by the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic conjure practitioners, located online at readersandrootworkers.org. And by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches, located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. Now it's time to go to the phones and take our next client. And our next client is a return caller calling in all the way from Paris, France, uh, country code 33. This is forgiveness. Forgiveness, are you there? I'm here. Welcome back to the show. now, I see that you were uh, on a few months ago. Um, that situation has re- has changed, but you're calling us on a completely different situation. Is that correct? Um, I mean, it's the same situation, but I was oh. kind of embarrassed oh. about telling you what happened. No, just, certainly. Now, just to let you know, I did have to edit your um, your situation for on-air readability. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And forgiveness rights, I created a fake profile to talk to people for fun, but by doing so, I fell in love with a guy. We spent much time talking on the phone and texting, but I never revealed the truth to him. I found uh, He found out and has stopped talking to me. I am upset, feeling humiliated, rejected, and suicidal. Can this ever be fixed, and will we be able to reconcile? Turn back to you, Ms. Kat. Okay. Um, <clears throat> all righty. Well, we're going to um, have the first of your readings uh, done by Ollie, but I have a couple of questions just for the uh, understanding of all. What sign of the zodiac are you? I'm an Aries and he's a Pisces. You're an Aries and he is a Pisces? Yes. Okay. I, I do remember this. This sort of sticks in my yeah. mind. Okay. And you called us before about this. Yeah, but I didn't say, I didn't tell about um, the details, you know. Like, I only said that we had a fight and I wouldn't talk because I was, I was like, you know, it's This was a back and forth, if I remember correctly. Like, you guys had got a fight, he went away, then he, we predicted he'd come back, he'd, he came back, but then there was another fight, if, uh, if that if that was a situation, I think. Yeah, and he, he came back after a few, like, after we didn't talk, and he found out the truth, and he got very angry, and even though, like, he said, like, a thousand times, he said, oh, I would still love you, even if, you know, even if you lied and stuff, but uh, he reacted completely, like, Unlike what what he said, and um, he sensed, and I um, I don't know. I feel very confused, and I don't know what to do. And I really and may I I, I, I I want to interrupt because I do want to get to your reading. Um, yeah. When did the breakup happen? Um, it was uh, the twenty sixth of December. Okay. All right. Now. Let's turn this over to Ollie. Yeah, th- thanks, Ms. Kat. Um, first and, and foremost, I've got to say something. Well I'm, well, I'm very happy to do a reading for you, and I think we're all very happy to do a reading for, you know, um, and willing to give advice. It is important that you immediately seek out a mental health specialist. 
Um, any suicidal ideation is not an idle thing, okay? Uh, and no matter, you know, how many readings you get, we can't address that. That has to be dealt with by a mental health professional. Seek someone out. There's no shame in it. It's good to have the kind of emotional support during this moment. No matter how hurt you're feeling, no matter how betrayed, you need to speak uh, with, an, with an expert on that. Seek it out immediately. Don't get another reading, not a single more reading after this phone call. The first step should be speaking with a therapist, a mental health professional, uh, and getting the support that you need. So that's the first step you do before anything else. Don't think about the ex. Don't think about another reading. Don't even ask another question about, oh, well, what if we do, I do this? And no, first, that's your first step. After, everything else can be dealt with in time because your mental health and your emotional health is of paramount importance. That's your priority right now, okay? That's my recommendation first. Now, I'm going to do a reading on the relationship stuff, but I want you to promise me that, that once you finish with this phone call, you will go ahead and, and deal with, with your own personal emotions first by getting help. Can you say that for me? Mm-hmm. Yep. Good, good. Thank you. That's what I wanted to hear. Okay, so here's here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to focus on the relationship bit. The news that I have is not the best of news, but there is hope here, and I want you to be able to, to focus in on that hope going forward. Now, you've asked about this reading before, and last time we told you he'd come back, but he won't stay for long. The hurt is too deep. And that turned out to be true. He returned back, but he didn't stay for long. The hurt was too deep. At the time, we didn't know what the hurt was. Now you've given us the details that there was uh, fake profiles involved and whatnot. And so that helps to explain why things are the way that we are. Uh, my reading has not changed. I've pulled three cards here, um, but I'm actually going to focus on, on the geomancy that I've done. Uh, and the geomancy, the very first figure is Tristitia. This is the stake that is driven downward. It is a Saturnian sign. It is one of sorrow and pain and hurt. But it is standing in for you. That is where you are at this particular moment. Uh, it's an indication of your emotional state, and it tells me first and foremost that that state needs to be dealt with, that you can't do anything else besides first deal with that. If you're worried about bringing this ex back, you've got your priorities in the wrong place because tristitia is a long-term state of sorrow. It's one that can follow and shade us and cloud us for a long period of time, so you need to deal with that first. The uh, seventh house that represents him is... Uh, represented by Rubius. Rubius is the cup overturned. Now, why is the cup overturned? The hurt is deep. The hurt is painful. There's still a lot of anger. When this uh, figure is right side up, it's known as Albus, and it represents free-flowing emotions and wisdom and whatnot. It's very analogous to the uh, Ace of Cups, but here it is overturned. And what this means is that, particularly for Pisces, the two signs that take hurt very seriously, all the signs have hurts, but Pisces and, and Cancers, if you hurt them, they, that becomes part of their character. That becomes a personality trait. It's something that they hold and they hold for a long time. And they deal with it in very different ways. You know, a Taurus is hurt, they deal with it in the form of a grudge. A Taurus will hold on to a grudge for the rest of their lives, right? A Leo's pride <laughs> can get wounded. But here, for a Pisces, uh, 
uh, to be to feel like they've been deceived or led astray, particularly because they're a sign that lives in their emotions and has to deal with delusion and, and illusion a lot. Uh, it means that it's going to be something that this person is unable to overcome. And so what I see is that there is no connection between Tristitia and Rubius, between your place and where he is. Both of you have been hurt. And that is the truth of this matter. These hurts can be healed, and these uh, hurts can be recovered from, but independently and separately. It is not going to be a situation of you two reconciling and then healing and moving on. And I know that's hard to hear, but the good news is that you don't have to be stuck in this space. So long as you become focused on him, if you keep calling us for the next six months about this same guy, you leave yourself in the state of tristitia. But what this shows me is that there is a secret path here, and that path is the path of letting go. And that's when we see as via, when we combine these when we combine the figures together in the, in the result of the result, we have via. Via is the way forward. And this means radical liberty. You've got to let yourself be free of this relationship, of this circumstance, and of the guilt and hurt that you feel yourself. You know, okay, you made some mistakes. It is what it is. Learn from those mistakes. Don't carry them with you. Don't hold on to them. Don't let them become a burden that you that's going to haunt you. Instead, Move forward, move on. The good news is you will find love again, just as fulfilling and powerful and strong of a connection as you had with this uh, Pisces gentleman. But you have to have the courage to let this go. And I think this is where assistance will come in handy. If you have an ally, if you have a therapist, a mental health professional who can help you deal with the emotional aspect of this, you can move on. And once you do, things will turn around. As dark as things seem now you're going to look back at this and go, oh, this was just a brief moment in my life. I'm in a way better place now. So there is hope for you. There is love in your future. You're not destined to be alone. But it involves you processing your current feelings and letting go what is holding you back, including your pain, your hurt, and this guy. That's what my reading uh, shows. I'm going to turn this over to William, and then we'll have Miss Kat give you some group work recommendation. Okay, William, take it away. Yes, so I totally agree with everything the countryman did. I just want to talk a little bit more about what I'm seeing in the Hari in regards to uh, her individual state. And basically what I'm seeing here is in the Hari, the moon is in the 12th house, the sun is in the 8th house, and these are um, what they traditionally call malefic houses. And often uh, people, when you see this in a horror, people are experiencing uh, a number of uh, compulsory psychological compulsions of surfacing, uh, often leading to types of behavior that's undermining, that they don't understand, um, where there's a sense of inner desperation, all right, suicidal thoughts do come up or uh, those type of suicidal panic attacks occur late at night just before sleep. They often occurs at night. Do these suicidal thoughts occur at night? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, really strong. They come on strong, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's basically, an under, what we have to understand, it's really, yes, the relationship was a catalyst uh, to uh, some deeper unresolved issues inside of you. And the, the Hori chart is indicating that there's an arrested state of self-actualization. So the trauma of this or the letdown or the separation, all right, uh, in this relationship basically catalyzed 
and brought to the surface a lot of unresolved psychological issues because you're in a state of a personal transformation and crisis. So often the crisis emerges first before the transformation followed for some time, followed by some type of rebirth occurs later on. So you're in the process of that death transformation at a deeper level, and that's what you're really struggling with, and you don't have anything to really sort of connect to. You don't have a sense of future, uh, which Kanjavan Ali very well articulated at this moment. But uh, the Hori does indicate that there is a way out of this, and that's what's important. There is a future for you. There is love in your future. But more importantly, it really comes down to redefining who you are. It's not so much that this relationship didn't work out. It's what you made this relationship. In other words, you, this, in, in, in one way or another, it was what uh, your belief about your future or that you don't have a future without this relationship, right? So it was a false yeah. belief, a false construct um, that was basically more or less um, falsely creating the sense that if I had this relationship, I won't have to deal with these other things that I have not worked out or I have resolved, all right? And really what it comes down to is really coming to terms with who you are, what you're about, and getting a sense of a compelling future for yourself, something that you've sort of gone off track with for the past few years. The other thing I want to mention here, I am not a medical doctor or a healthcare professional, but what I am seeing here, based because I do medical horary, is that uh, you're not eating, getting enough sufficient minerals, particularly magnesium, in your diet, which has a lot to do with the suicidal thoughts and depression that tends to be plaguing you. I'd like you to uh, get a mineral supplement, particularly magnesium thorate, and I believe you will feel substantially better within seven days taking that and, and seeking the advice and, um, of a healthcare professional who deals with people who are in the type of transformational crisis that you're in. Okay, well, my gosh. Um, so I'm, uh, I'm sorry, did you say something? I was asking he's not coming back. No, everyone has said he's not coming back on. Sorry if that was not clear. Ali said the two um, figures he got in his geomancy um, yours was sorrow and his was an overturned cup which is an emotional outpouring and he's done and that if you combine the two signs of um, Tristitia and Rubius that, that you would get via which is a road or a way it is a way forward but you must go forward on your own and William said the same thing in his own reading which was a, a horoscope reading he said that you are um, suffering but that you must um, go forward, that the moon, which is your emotions, is in the 12th house of imprisoned emotions. It's a, it's a difficult thing. It's a, what we call a red flag type um, uh, astrological warning that you are brooding and you are, your emotions are, are uh, imprisoned. And I believe he also said there was a, a play from the 8th house, which is a dangerous house, and so be careful of these thoughts that you have. Don't not let them. I mean, even you. even the thinking of like, oh well, well, after of what we said, oh well, if he still come back? Being your first question is an indicative of you still being trapped, as William Stickovers pointed out. Yeah, he may show up, but the reconciliation isn't the goal. The goal should be moving on. 
Yeah. So I'm taking the time to restate this very clearly. No. Our two readings and our previous readings show he is not coming back. You will not be together with him. Do not consider that the problem. The problem that I know you to be dealing with is depression, which has erupted into uh, anxiety, panic, and suicidal thoughts. You confirmed that. That is your problem, not getting him back. We, as responsible readers, are very concerned for your health, and that is your physical health and your mental health. William recommended magnesium supplements and seeing a therapist. Ali, the first thing out of the box was see a mental health therapist. It's very tragic, says uh, Nagashiva, and... um, and I'm going to say, and I can hear you crying, and I'm very sad for you, but you need help. And it's not help that we can give you in a couple of minutes on a radio show with you calling us all the way from Paris. We really, I know, but I just we, thought it was true of you. Know, I really thought you looked me for real. Well, this is a, yeah, I understand. I really do. It's so sad and that's what tristitia is and tristitia that that sign that ali got in his geomancy is a sign of tears and sorrow and i'm very sorry for you it's hard to know what to do next because you know that and even the name you've used forgiveness indicates you know that you started off on the wrong foot this could have been really great but it's not going to work sometimes Something breaks and it it doesn't mend perfectly and you cannot mend this relationship perfectly. For whatever reason, it's over. Now, mend yourself. For one thing, you've learned not to do that. Again, you know the, the pain, but you know what they say. You know, you do the crime, you do the time. Your crime wasn't that great. Your crime was to create a fake profile. You've done the time. You lost what might have been an ideal love. Now you've done the time. Now let yourself out of the jail of your thoughts. Let yourself out of the imprisonment in the world of tears and sorrow. Come out of it. And we're all here waiting to invite you to the big party. We'll we'll be here as long as you need us. But we want you to, to look at getting help because we know we can't be here to hold your hand in the dark of night in Paris, France, right? We know we can't. So you need someone over there to hold your hand. Okay? You'll find love. You will. You know, the, the reading is very clear. But you've you got to let yourself out of this, this, this kind of dark hole first. And it's interesting. Dr. Derensburg, who's a wonderful root doctor, who I'm getting to know better and better through his presence in our chat log, he said she must forgive herself first. And you've taken that name, forgiveness. Think about that. He said something very wise. Turn your forgiveness on yourself. You know what you did. This thing is broken. It can't be fixed. You won't do it again. We learn by our mistakes. But there are so many people out there to love you. And please, please, I want you to see a mental health therapist. Would you please say yes that you'll do that? Okay, well, I think she's muted.
right. I hate to let something like that go. It's it's tragic and it's disturbing. But um, let us go to Papa Newt. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30, the Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6, Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays, 4 to 5, and The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, Fridays, 6 to 7, all time specific, Add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And now it's time for our freestyle segment with William Stickevers of williamstickevers.com in Las Vegas, Nevada. Take it away, William. Yes, so what we're going to talk about today is getting the edge for Astrological 2019 with Jupiter in Sagittarius. Jupiter in Sagittarius, mojo hand for success, honor, glory, wealth, and tranquility of mind. Now, what's important here, it has to be done between now and early December 2019. And Jupiter being dignified in Sagittarius provides the necessary dignity, power to energize any magical operation. Any, and this could be integrated into any type of hoodoo spell to increase wealth, generosity, opportunity, health, good fortune. All right? So what's going to be necessary is to have the following items. The second Jupiter seal of Solomon, the Jupiter oil, Jupiter incense, Jupiter sachet powder, a mojo bag, or a mojo bag you currently have and have been working with, nutmeg, which is a powerful herb ruled by Jupiter to enhance the power of the talisman, cinnamon, another Jupiter-ruled herb to speed up the magical work, agrimony, another Jupiter herb to reverse any jinx on one's money or business success, dandelion root to enhance one's business intuition and financial speculation, Irish moss moss for a steady flow of cash flow and business success, and bayberry root to attract money and good fortune. So the key thing here now is that you are to download the image from Wikipedia. The link should be there in the chat room. And you would then, uh, at that moment, you would print it out at the hour and day of Jupiter. Uh, There is a link there on uh, that is very specific for where you live. So you need to print out the... Uh, second seal of Solomon. Now, the second seal of Solomon, for those who don't know, all right, well, the seals in Solomon in, in general are magical talismans attributed to the biblical king Solomon. According to tradition, they are purported to be of extraordinary magical power, especially in ceremonial astrological, astrological talismanic magic. And they're used often by many hoodoo practitioners over the decades. So the idea here is, is to print out the second seal, on a clean, unused paper, on the day and hour of Jupiter, and then have the image printed, light the Jupiter incense, cut the seal out of the paper, write your name on the reverse side of the seal three times in a row, write a keyword phrase such as like success, glory, honor, riches around the name in a perfect circle so that that all the letters connect in one line and without lifting your pencil from the paper while writing the statement. 
Then what you're going to do is hold the second seal of Jupiter paper several inches above the smoking incense to properly suffumigate, another word for smoking, right, to suffumigate the talisman for several minutes. And during this process, you're going to focus on your goal, focus on your year, at the exclusion of everything else as you continue to smoke the talisman. And when you're doing so, you're going to recite Psalm 112.3, wealth and riches be in his house and his righteousness endureth forever. Finally, you're going to take the talisman, rub the sachet powder on the seal, recite aloud the Orphic hymn to Jupiter, right, which is provided. And then you're going to fold the talisman toward oneself, turn it clockwise 90 degrees, fold it again towards oneself, repeat the process until one can no longer fold the paper and place the seal into the mojo bag. Then add the nutmeg, cinnamon, agrimony, dandelion root, Irish moss, bayberry root to the mojo bag. Then dress the bag with four drops. Four is the number of Jupiter. Four drops of Jupiter oil. And then recite the 23rd Psalm. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> William, that's amazing. Thank you. Uh, you're so welcome. I could not have given that complex instructions in that short a time, but I followed every <laughs> step of what you were saying. And at the moment you said nutmeg, uh, a, a plant of, of Jupiter, I went, holy moly, he's going to go all in on this. <laughs> and you did. Fantastic. All right. This gets us to a whole level of um, folklore in which the planets have um, times of day. Those are called the hours. They have days of the week. Those are called the days. They have symbolic plants that are that go with them. And what you just did, William, was roll up everything Jupiter in one big ball and you put it in a mojo bag. I love it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Mm. You know, be added to any mojo bag. It doesn't have to be this specific one. You can take this and add it along with the Jupiterian herbs and roots that I recommend it to support the seal power and add it to your current mojo bag to empower you to get through some of the things that we discussed earlier in the show today with that Saturn-Pluto alignment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, Ali, uh, you just put a note in. Psalm 112 is associated with this particular seal of Solomon inscribed on it, which is why you recited it. Can you explain yeah. a little bit more about that, Ali, about the seals and the and the psalms? Yeah, a lot of a lot of them. Not all the seals, but a lot of the seals are associated with uh, various psalms, particular verses. Some of them are associated with particular intelligences that'll have the names written on there. So Yekahel, Agiel, etc. Um, so you'll have you'll recite them. Um, in order to kind of activate or awaken the spirits within the seal themselves. But this particular one is associated with Psalm 112, verses 3, Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endureth forever. So you will recite it, and that helps to open up or awaken the spirit within the seal itself. And most of the seals themselves will have it written, that particular verse, in Hebrew around it or on the seal. So Angela L. asks, how do you figure out the day and hour of Jupiter of where you live? So we kind of went over that really quick. So start, William, with what is the day of Jupiter? Yeah, so the day of Jupiter is based on the planetary hours, which is when, for example, when the sun, when, um, the sun rises on the day of Thursday, it will 
be the Ju the day at the hour of Jupiter. And it's there's different ways of measuring planetary hours depending on what tradition. But using the Western astrological tradition, um, we look at the planetary hours based on the overall scope of the planetary day. So the first hour of the day of Sunday, right, on Sunday morning when the sun rises would be the hour of the sun for mm -hmm. a particular time frame. So what I provided in the chat room was a link, right, where you could go, put in your city, put in the date, right, for mm -hmm. that particular Thursday when you want to create this seal, and it will give you the hours of the Jupiter, the hours when Jupiter will be dominant in the planetary hours scheme, where you will then print your second sign okay. of seal of Jupiter. All right, so we got the URL. Right. Also, we have a comment from Miss Athena, uh, one of the admins of the Lucky Mojo forum. She says she uses lunarium.com for planetary hours. Go to Google, type in how do I calculate planetary hours, you'll get them. All right, mm -hmm. I don't want to uh, make Papa Newt have to talk too fast, so I'm just going to say a couple more things. Tickets are on sale for the... 12th Annual Hoodoo Heritage Festival in Forestville, California, May 11th and 12th. And the reader bookings are now open. We've been waiting. Tickets have been on sale since January, but readers can now be booked. And if you want a reading at the festival, just go there and book a, a reader, okay? Um, we have books that will be coming out for the festival, and uh, we will be distributing them at no extra charge to those who buy tickets for the festival. After that, they will go on sale. So I'm going to let Papa Newt spin through our final announcements, and then we'll all come back and say goodbye. And, of course, the festival is at hoodooheritagefestival.com. Okay, take it away, Papa Newt. Thank you, Ms. Cat, and thank you, Conjurer Ali, and thank you, William Sickiverse of WilliamSickiverse.com in Las Vegas, Nevada, for bringing our guest this week. We invite you to join us next week when we'll have two, two special guests from the Association of Independent Readers and Reworkers, who will be Ms. Catherine Ironwood of LuckyMojo.com in Forestville, California, and Deacon Millet of FourAltars.org in the high deserts of California, bringing us the topic on Secrets of the Crystal Silence League by Claude Alexander Cullen. Once again, we come to an end of another Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rework Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Carrier Company in Forestville, California. You can find Ms. Cat by the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and Carson Ali at thecondorman.com in Mission Viejo, California. I'm your announcer, Papa New, joining from PapaNew.com in Omaha, Nebraska. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rupert Hour can be heard every week live on Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and the shows are available in archive at LuckyMojo.com slash radio show HTML. For all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to say thank you for being here and invite you to tune in once again next week at the same time when you'll hear the familiar strains of the Memphis Strength Band playing the Jug Band Waltz. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Good night. <laughs> Good night, y'all. <laughs> Bye-bye. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>